from the 15th floor of the Energy Building, this is GNR Airtime, the podcast that explores the current trends from emerging and well-established industries hosted by the lawyers of GNR. This podcast is for general guidance only and does not constitute definitive advice. everyone, welcome back to GNR Airtime. I am Mia Hernoto. I will be hosting today's episode alongside my co-host, Bagus Wichaksono. Hi, Bagus. How are you? Hi, Mia. I'm great. Hi. Thanks for having me. Hi. Well, in this episode of GNR Airtime, we will be discussing about the evolution of the legal technology, or legal tech for short. With that in mind, we are delighted to welcome our colleagues from the London office, Sean and Ryan. Hi, guys. Hey, guys. Hello. Thanks very much for having us. It's our pleasure. It's our pleasure. So I think the term legal tech is something that we've been hearing a lot lately, especially that we're entering uh, the next level of our career. I don't know about uh, how things play out in uh, in the other part of the world, but here, I, I don't think we've heard that many of the uh, of softwares that lawyers usually use uh, uh, when it comes to handling transactions. So I think as we are on the edge of 2020, guys, and with everything that's been happening, and nearly everything has been shifted to digital or application-based, I guess it's inevitable and it is necessary for us lawyers to be more familiar with legal tech. Let's just say that. I'll, I'll, I'll defer to uh, anyone to probably start by explaining what this legal tech is about. Yeah, I, I can take that one. It's, it's Ryan here. Legal tech is a buzzword um, and like all buzzwords, it means no one really understands what it is. Um, and so if you break legal tech down, what it effectively is, is it's taking a specific thing a lawyer does, you know, it could be signing a document, it could be tracking a transaction, and it takes that process and it uses um, software to make technology that really solves a particular problem that a lawyer has. Um, so it's, it's not a complex uh, problem, it's just been that to date, there's been no technology that's done that, and it's only in the last few years that technology has started to develop, to evolve, that really starts to attack those problems. And because it's new, not many people are using it. But over time, I think that will change. Okay, so I see uh, given its role in providing legal aid services, more or less, right, Um, which I guess every lawyer would actually find it really helpful, which is shown by actually the increase of users across ANO office around 34%, I think. Why is it only developing now? I mean, um, what drives the legal tech companies to start pushing its development now more than ever? Yeah, I'll take this one in the first instance. I think to begin with, I think the lawyers, were fundamentally creatures of habit and trying to entice people into what what is effectively making their lives easier can sometimes be a bit of a scary daunting task which is sounds sort of counterintuitive but we're I think generally risk averse and when you get to an associate on a transaction you say hey I've got this this new legal tech solution that's going to make your life so much easier you're not going to be spending late nights in the office because of it and it's, it's really gonna make your life so much simpler. Often it's the initial learning curve that I think puts people off, where you've got this amazing newfound tech solution, you don't quite understand it, and it can potentially give you a, a massive upside, but people are worried because, oh, what if this is the deal that I you know, learn something and through learning this new solution, I go and uh, mess up the deal and the client's not gonna be too happy about it. 
So I think it's it's a bit of a, it takes a bit of belief on the lawyer side as well as what what helps is certain clients are now keen to now that people are starting to understand how much more prevalent legal tech is, they're starting to say, well, look, if this is going to save us money, we would quite like you to be using these things. And in, in fact, you probably should be. So I think given given the learning curve that people are now sort of starting to get to the top of, and people are less apprehensive about what legal tech might do and how it may not, I think it's people are more comfortable with it and not as likely to think that it may tank their entire deal if you know something goes wrong on a specific program. Um, and I think with that, and also the way we've been thrust into the virtual way of working, especially this year, legal tech is definitely at, at, a, at a defining moment now where people are more comfortable using these things now that they're sitting at home, working at home without a printer, for instance. If you're on a due diligence exercise and you have to now review X hundred documents, if you've got a legal tech solution that's going to make that job easier. Right. I completely agree because I think from my end, at least, I'm always afraid to try new method in terms of handling how business usually done because so far we've, we've always believed that we find the right method to deliver outputs uh, for our clients. But I agree that the, all of this uh, technology will mass- massively help us lawyers in uh, working more efficiently. Just to give a, uh, a better understanding about all of this uh, and how these are being implemented uh, across a law firm because within law firms, there are various practices groups, right? Uh, sometimes we deliver different kinds of products. My question would be then, what sorts of tools that are available to us? How do they range from one to the other, say, for corporate practice or for banking practices? Yeah, I mean, what tools we have is, is like going to a sushi shop and saying, what sushi should I order? Um, there's an enormous proliferation of technology now. Uh, a lot of them have been driven by lawyers. So you've had lawyers who have left the big firms, who have seen a problem and have applied that legal process to the tech and have come up with a solution um, and it's hard now with the amount of products that are out there to know which ones to use almost there, there's a problem now there's almost so many solutions you say well, which one is best and to me at least from a corporate um, lawyer perspective there's sort of four main buckets that these techs fall into the first one is document review so you know I want to look at a document and find out what's in it or should I change the clause? You know, what should I, what should change in this document? And the first one there is the NLP um, technologies. That's natural language processing. It's extracting information from documents and presenting it to you. Uh, and the, the main one there is, or the, the, the one that ANO uses, is Kira. And that effectively, you throw a thousand documents into it. And it will give you information back. It will say 10 have change of control, 10 are governed by this law, um, 40 of them have termination rights. So it does that initial first pass for you for a document review during a due diligence exercise. And a real good example, I used that on a deal um, a couple of months ago. There were a thousand documents in the data room. And it turned out 90% of them were governed by US law. So those 90% were out of scope and made my life just 20 times easier. Yeah, I think um, it's it's really it's really going to help us. Um, I mean, both uh, corporate and banking lawyers to actually work a lot more efficiently, right? As, as we have slightly touched upon um, the rapid development of legal tech as we speak, um, we actually come to the real question: Why is now the time for transformational change for transactional lawyers? Are there any particular notion behind that consideration? A time for, for transactional lawyers to be transformed. I think it goes off of what I said earlier in terms of 
if there are ways in which you can make your life easier and more efficient, you should probably try and embrace those. If, if we're looking at some of the, the tech that's available to us, and I know it's one that Ryan's a big fan of, if you take Legatics, for instance, we've historically, and I've seen it on banking and corporate deals, say something like a conditions precedent checklist. If that is something that banking lawyers love and hate, as well as on a, say for instance, on a, a corporate deal, you've got your CPs that you need to manage for a share purchase or a business purchase. And it's always the junior's bane to have to go through using either Word or a notepad, <laughs> hopefully not a notepad, um, to, to track all the various things. And it's done in a program, Microsoft Word, that is not actually built for the task that you're trying to do. So in having you uh, embrace this idea of legatics and this, this process that they've looked at, they said, okay, cool. Well, if, if the lawyers are using this program in a way that's not really fitting for, for Word, what legatics does is it allows you to create the kind of checklists that you want to use and it speaks to the kind of updates that you'll be making. So you don't spend your life reformatting tables and trying to make sure that all the text and all the colors are uniform and things like that. What it really helps you focus on is, okay, cool, I've shared this, this particular condition with the parties that need to be concerned with it and its status depends on the input that you receive from those various parties. So it's, it's, it's a way of re-looking at the way we do the process, actually. Because whereas previously you'd have a Word document, you attach an email, you send it around to all parties saying, hey, guys, please look at this. You'll see all the yellow ones are pending. Red ones are you know, a problem and green ones are satisfied. Instead, what people need to do is, is a new way of working in that if you're embracing Legatics as the way of managing your transaction, you've got this shared site on the cloud that's updated based on various inputs from the teams. And you can streamline that process in a much more efficient way and immediately see where specific touch points may need further attention or have been satisfied. And it happens in real time, which is really good. Yeah, and that, and that kind of goes back to that point I was saying before, is what is legal tech? Legal process plus software is legal tech. And the, the, the guys at Legatics basically said, there's a legal process of doing a completion checklist. How is this currently done in Microsoft Word? Well, can we use that process that we know so well, apply some tech to it to make something really useful for that issue? And I think that's been a really successful example of those sort of harmonies, the legal process knowledge and the tech knowledge working together. And I think it's no uh, mistake that the best tech tends to be made or driven by lawyers because we know the process side, we just don't know the technology side at all. Right. Anyway, so yeah, I think I noticed that uh, Mia is the only associate working on, on the banking uh, uh, group. So just to take an example, in, within, the, within the corporate practice, uh, be it in the Jakarta office or the London office, perhaps either one of you can elaborate maybe further about how will this technology change uh, corporate transaction? Yeah, that, that's a really good question. And just to touch back on the point you said before is, you know, we're so used to the technology. Word was made in 1983, uh, Outlook 1997, uh, iManage, one of the big document management services, 1995. And a lot of these technologies are ones you grow up in you know you use word processor to make your geography report so when you come to a law firm you don't need to learn how to use word 
And I think that's something that law firms will struggle with and they need to get to grips with is training their lawyers on the software. Um, that will happen, but it needs to happen for legal tech to be successful um, because the alternative is you do what you know. And that kind of thing leads really nicely on to how will it change and how will it affect our corporate transactions. And I always think of legal tech as enabling lawyers, not taking away jobs. It's saying, do you really want to color in a uh, checklist? No. So take that job off you. Let you focus on the key work. I mean, Bagus, it's a really good example. We had uh, a deal earlier this year that had, I think it was 20, 25 completion deliverables. And I was using um, Legatics to manage that. And it was so much easier for me from an enablement perspective because the other side uploaded all the documents. We're all agreed on what they were. I could zip and download and send them to you or I could give you access to the platform. Yep, you could yep. see at any one point where the latest version was. You didn't have to go looking in your emails. And so it just meant that by using a tech that was designed for what we do, we could together could be more efficient in how we delivered that result to a client. And I think that's how it will change corporate transactions. You'll see less of an adversarial ping pong approach to transactions and much more of a, look, we have some documents. This is where everything is. Who's outstanding? Let's focus on the, the key points rather than flipping documents that are designed to track you know, there's, there's no value in that. Definitely, definitely. I think I've had that a fair bit of share uh, working on a 60 pages worth of schedule specific for CP. So that was a good time. So I guess we now have come to, I think for me, that's uh, the, one of the most important questions. <laughs> With the introduction of the legal pack, will we, the lawyers, be eventually replaced by these technologies? I mean, I would, I would like to think that it's not something that will be done overnight, but the question, I think, this is a question that, that a fair question, I think. What, what do you think about it? Well, I think, I think I would say that we're not likely to be replaced anytime soon. I'm not sure if you've seen um, the new, there's a new documentary up on, on Netflix about um, the nature of social media and, yeah, I forget, yep. I forget the name. But there's a, there's a point which someone, I think someone who used to work at Google or, or Facebook talks about how we're always talking about the invasion of AI and when it might, you know, take over our lives. The thing is, people think that that entails robots walking into our houses and kicking us out and taking over the very lives we need. The problem is, is that what it actually is, is AI is already doing a lot of things for us. So in terms of replacing us, I'm not sure we're thinking about it in the right way. AI is already all around us and already makes our lives more efficient. And we always do bring something new to it because we're the ones who designed it. And we're looking at these processes and applying the technology to it. So we, we just need to adapt our way of thinking in terms of how these solutions are going to make our lives more simple. Unless you do that, I suppose, maybe you, you're going to start to struggle because you'll be stuck doing things in the old way. But the sooner you embrace the new way of doing things, you're more efficient and you're, you're less likely to make mistakes, I think, because the less you're stressed, stretched thin and, you know, running on a few hours sleep and whatever, that you're more likely to focus on the important things, as Ryan said earlier, and deals can happen more efficiently and focus on the important factors. Yeah. And I think if you look at the structure of a law firm, it's always been a triangle. 
and you've got an enormous base at the bottom of junior associates who are the grunts. You know, they, they churn documents, they get documents signed, they, they do a grunt of the labor. And you sort of have to ask yourself, why is that? And you know, 30 years ago, when you had typewriters, there was only so many documents you could create. And so there probably were not as many junior associates. Um, and ironically, word processors like Word, uh, email have enabled us to make more documents. And when you have more documents, you need more people to manage them. And the bottom of the triangle grows bigger. And so I think what this really is, it's, it's a natural resettling to say, we don't need as many people to do that work because you have the technology which enables them to do more for less. So over time, that law firm model will probably start to shrink into more of a, of a, of a rectangle. Um, or at least a narrower triangle. And I don't, don't think that necessarily means that people will lose their jobs. There may be less junior lawyer jobs out there, but then again, if you can provide your legal services cheaper, but at the same margin, theoretically, you could get more work. And if you have more work, you need more workers. And that's kind of always been the goal of efficiency is to create a bigger pie and potentially legal tech could do that. And I think that's something people always miss in this debate about technology, is that yes, there can be losers, but you also need to think about what you can gain from it. And I think we have a lot to gain from it. Okay, I think as the junior lawyer here, I have to ask you guys a question and I really need an answer. So can you please give me an estimate of how far away are we? <laughs> well, I think if you get everyone in Legatics, you'll, you'll see a marked improvement in your life already. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think you're, you're a long way away. Like we said, there is an enormous adoption gap with legal tech. There is uh, a few early movers who have seen, seen the light and have uh, headed off to it. And there's a lot of people sitting on the other side of the canyon. Uh, and it's a big canyon to cross. I think it will take time. And it, yeah, I think it, the quicker you can jump across the canyon, the, the better. I'll make sure I can swim faster than the technology. <laughs> We're counting on you, Mia. Jump, jump before you push. <laughs> so yeah, I think, I think this has been a very interesting discussion, uh, a fruitful one for sure. Uh, any key takeaways, guys? I think lawyers have a great opportunity ahead to make the most of the technology that's coming. I don't think we're there yet. It's still a while off, but it's a bit like a train hurtling down a tunnel. It's going to emerge. And the lawyers who pick that up will be the partners in 10, 20 years who can then drive that change for the juniors. And so I think you sort of need to ask yourself, do you want the future juniors to do a lot of that grunt work that you were doing? Or do you want to give them a chance to do the more interesting work you wish you were doing? And the best way that you as a lawyer can do that is by jumping on that train now, learning what the tech is, learning how it can help. Because down the line, you're just going to help so much more. Okay, guys, um, at least we have a, a better picture of how, of how the legal tech actually is at least for me as a junior lawyer i'm 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 less insecure now uh that i know that i can swim faster than the technology itself at least um but thank you guys um for being here ryan and sean thanks very much for having us for everyone else thank you for listening to this episode we'll see you on the next one